All right, let's continue. Looks like we lost a few, but it's okay. <laughs> Most of you are still here. Um, as you can tell, uh, I'm speaking from burden more than just following an outline. I think that's better. Uh, let me uh, repeat the burden again. <clears throat> the primary burden that is in my heart. And that is, uh, today the Lord's recovery is seeking to advance, to go on. The Lord's move is always progressive. It does not stop. And so his move in this country, USA, has been around 56 uh, years, 57 years now, actually. And um, we are fully burdened for a new advance um, um, of, of the churches. And what particularly uh, that I've witnessed he has done in Northern California in the last five, six years, something like this, um, um, is is nothing short of his blessing. And, um, but now, after these years uh, of the Lord's move here, I think we're ready for a stepping up to another level, to another level. And at this juncture, the sisters, I would say, is the most critical. Uh, we have the elders training. We even installed or um, uh, appointed new brothers to the eldership here and there, and many other things. But the real engine to everything of this car is really the sisters. And so I think it is just as it was his timing for us to do what we did in the last five years, I think we're now coming to a, a new stage. A new stage. And even in a way with this meeting. So um, please go and bother the leading brothers in your locality to say, when can we get into the 48 lessons? Okay, you go bother them. Um, and uh, I trust the, the brothers who acquiesce and, and support this. Um, because you need a lot more speaking uh, to undergird um, this, uh, uh, this advance uh, in, in your church life. And uh, we never have sisters training before in this country that I know of. This is kind of a new thing. But I say it's overdue. I think, I say it's about time. Now, um, the second thing I share this morning <clears throat> is that the 
key, you may say, the secret uh, to God's work uh, in this universe, whether it is personally uh, or corporately, is the matter of submission. This is not just a Christian virtue, humility. It, It is. It is a great Christian virtue. But this morning, I'd like to elevate this matter of submissiveness to another realm, another level. And that is because Satan, God's enemies, work from the beginning and continually until today is rooted in rebellion. If you want to talk about Satan's work, and it says the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. You know how he destroyed that work? The Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus. You have to go and read Philippians 2. The Lord's way of defeating or destroying the enemy's work is by himself emptying, emptying himself as part of the Godhead, the three in the Godhead, voluntarily. The Father did not demand it. The Spirit did not ask for it. The Son would not consider his equality with God in the Godhead something to grasp upon. So on his own, you may say, he emptied himself. I mean, think about this. God emptying himself. Can, can you grasp the enormity of this act? God, you're God. Then one day, I'm going to empty my godness to take the form of a slave and then to be found in the fashion of a man and then to die on the cross and that the cross of a criminal. Now, you think about that just a little bit. You think about that just a little bit. I tell you, that is the unique pattern that the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, left to us. And that is a pattern of ultimate obedience and submission. He put himself under the Father. Your will be done. You have given me this body to do your will, O God. He need not have said that, but he did. And it is by this kind of, this great act of submission unto death, that he destroyed the works of the devil on the cross and in his earthly life and ministry. So God highly exalted this one and gave him the name that is above every name. That's the story. Brothers, I mean sisters, 
Today, the church and the Christians is to imitate this pattern, to live out this pattern, to magnify this pattern once again on earth. And in so doing, we will continue to execute that destruction of Satan. See, sisters, these things sound like fairy tale if you don't know the word of God and if you're not in the spirit to see these things. All you see is what's going on on the earth. You know, I just came back from Hong Kong, my sort of home country. It's not even a country, it's a place. Uh, Very, very hopeless and difficult situation. That's just one spot on the earth. Look at all the things going on, including our country here. Where is the solution? Where do we go from here? What is God doing? Dear sisters, we're here. In the church of his recovery. Not that We're better than others? No. But because by his mercy and sovereignty, one day we were introduced to this precious truth in the divine revelation. And by seeing God's heart's desire, we were left without an option except to take his way. And that is this way of the Lord's recovery. No, we are not perfect. We're not better. But we're here. And so, we have to be here to fulfill that commission of the Lord to his recovery, which is to restore what was lost in life, in truth, in the church, through the church life. To once again fulfill his economy to build up his body on the earth. So, sisters, we're here. Now, the key to working out this great work of the Lord's recovery, may I say, to contribute to this great work of the Lord's recovery, to serve, to function, to be what we should be. I will tell you, the top key and secret is submission and obedience. But this submission and obedience requires everything from you. Requires everything. You know, we esteem consecration and we preach consecration and we, we consecrate ourselves. And this consecration, which is an offering of ourselves, is a great thing. It's a great thing. It's a gateway even to the Christian life. But this morning I would like to tell you, consecration takes a back seat to submission. In fact, real consecration should issue in submission. 
The prophet Samuel said that Jehovah does not delight in sacrifices and offering, which is consecration. But rather, he delights in obedience and submission. It is better than any other kind of sacrifices that we can offer. And that is our obedience to God. Today, the church of God in his recovery should bear that trait, that characteristic, that strong expression amidst an earth filled with lawlessness and rebellion. And that is, there's a place on the earth among men where God's kingdom has a foothold, where God's kingdom reality is experienced and testified. It should be in the Lord's recovery. And my burden for the sisters is you have a privileged role to play in that testimony. A role that even the brothers do not own, do not possess. They have their role. They do have their role. But the sisters have a particular role. Now, I refer to chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians where Paul covered this matter of head covering. Now, don't get uneasy and don't get uh, stirred up. This morning, I'm not going to talk about head covering and tell you to cover your head. So, so don't, don't worry, okay? But I want to tell you that the principle, the principle here, Not the practice. The principle here is what's important. I have seen too many sisters with a physical head covering but have no reality of submission. In fact, quite the opposite. In the first turmoil, major turmoil in this country that even touched this meeting hall in Berkeley, back in 1977. There was a simultaneous rebellion by sisters, a group of spiritual sisters, the source of which was Anaheim, California. And before long, that flow, that sisters flow, swept through the recovery in other churches. And these are sisters who wear long skirts, literally long skirts, all have head coverings, you know, the something here. They walk very slowly. They look and act spiritual. And eventually, that became a parallel move of the enemy among us in that turmoil. Until one day 
in a meeting, in a meeting in Anaheim, uh, Brother Lee, with the Lord's authority and leadership given to him, had to publicly, publicly, in a meeting with those sisters sitting in front of him, dismantle that particular kind of thing, which by that time has grew into a club-like, click-like situation that certain sisters are in, other sisters are out. You have to be like that. You have to subscribe to those kind of way to be in. And so many sisters found themselves to be out. No, I'm not making this up. This is real. And that, by the Lord's mercy, was broken up. And of course, one of the leading one in that sister's clique or group is actually the wife of the main person who led that rebellion in 1977, and they all left in 1978, around August time, around this time. So roughly 41 years ago, that happened. So no, sisters, that is not the way. That is not the way. For sisters to do something like that in a cliquish, clubby way, uh, a small circle, doing whatever they were doing, that is not the way. And I'm not stirring anything like that, far from it. We're burdened for all the sisters in the churches to see the real vision in the Bible. And that's why you need the 48 lessons. And based on what you see, and not by just what is taught you, even on the Word, by your seeing, you need to pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in this matter. I'll tell you, submission can only come from revelation. No one's arms are twisted to submit, can, to, can submit for long by his or her arms being twisted. It doesn't last. But full salvation and lasting uh, submission and lasting submission is possible if there is a view or a life-changing experience, a transformative experience, much like Jacob, who wrestled with the angel and had his, what? Loins or uh, thigh touched. You know, after that touching, from then on, Jacob walked with a limp. You know, it's very hard to act like you have a limp. Because when everyone leaves, you walk normal again. Because you're really not limping. You're performing a limp. Jacob, after that experience, need no performance. His thigh 
was permanently touched. He was totally broken, a broken man. And from that point on, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. That's where the name Israel come from, the prince of God to this day, the nation of Israel. Dear sisters, in principle, you all need such a sight, such a vision that would subdue you, that would touch you, that would change your life forever. And you don't need people to tell you to submit. You will look to submit. You will take the grace necessary to submit. You would deny yourself to submit. You would take up your cross to submit. My goodness, when there's a people of God living like that, in that reality, the kingdom is there. And even before we do a thing, to work for the Lord in this, that. Just that testimony gives glory to God. Sisters, you have a privileged role in this matter. This is so against today's philosophy. And sorry, I don't want to go there, but now I'm going there. I have too much to say concerning what today's feminism is, not when it began. It's a different thing now. about the equality of the sexes, about equal opportunity, right? Economically, socially. Um, I'm for that in terms of the rights and interest of women. Even is enshrined in our constitution in this country. We've been all given alienable rights, men and women. But let me tell you, today's feminism is not that. I better not go there, because I will stir up some, some feelings. Okay. I would like to say this, however. We're not even here fighting that. Don't, don't think we are here to fight Feminism or uh, war against no, don't don't. We're not doing that. I like to tell you what we're doing here. I'm telling you that, sisters, we are in an entirely different realm. We're not even in that realm of pro or con, for or against these things. All these things that is swelling around. 
We're not that. We are in a different universe. We're on a different planet called the kingdom of God. You have to find yourself on that planet. Then you will be rescued from all these things, this or that, this or that. This is why I say you need that moment of enlightenment to see this matter of the divine authority in this universe that brings with it the divine ordination and express by a certain divine order. Not only sisters, you have to see it. We brothers need to see it just as much. But the sisters have a particular place, particular position and standing that is quite unique, both on the positive side and on the negative side. Negative meaning that if the sisters do not see this and live this, they will inhibit this testimony. They will affect this testimony in a negative way. Really speaking, we're less concerned about brothers causing problem in the church life than sisters. It's a lot more serious for sisters to cause problems for this reason. Negatively. Positively, positively, when the sisters have this kind of attitude, this kind of characteristic, this kind of living, this kind of um, expression, you don't know what that will do to a local church. You don't know how much ground it will give to the Holy Spirit to work in that local church. Now, I mentioned then that the first thing in terms, with, with this as a base, that the sisters can actually function to have this kind of testimony is in the prayers. Is in the prayers. The six, seven hundred sisters here, uh, Northern California. And if just these sisters, you, would have the Lord's grace with us to receive this burden and begin to pray, to enter into this, I call, ministry of prayer. First, I think that would be a wonderful beginning. 
I long for the day to see every church I visit, not just the meetings I go to and the activities I participate in. I can ask the brothers, are the sisters in this church praying? Brothers can tell me, yes, they are sisters who pray here faithfully, regularly. That would be the biggest comfort in my heart. Now, Los Angeles, the church in Los Angeles in the early days, in our memory, and for sure in our brother Witness Lee's memory, which is a very fond one, was that church, L.A. Church. It was a church in revival, by the way. Was a church characterized by prayer. Not a church characterized by certain activities, but by prayer. The praying spirit was so strong so strong, so powerful, that sustained that revival work of the Spirit for years. Just pray. Just pray. And I believe a lot of that, not only the church come together to pray, but the saints pray on their own. The prayer life was strong. And I have to believe the sisters were a big part of that. So this conference or these meetings today must find practice even right away in the churches. And this is the one thing that I would like to see and I would like to suggest in, indeed something I like to promote. Sisters, when you come together to pray, sisters, that immediately will be a challenge because it's hard for the sisters to be one. Now, it's hard for the brothers too, but let me tell you, not as hard. It's hard for the sisters to be one. I know because I've been around. Even Yodis and Syntyche, you remember, you do know those two ladies? They are in the wonderful church in Philippi. Co-workers of the apostle. Paul said, Philippians, go help, out, help them so that these two sisters would think the same thing, implying they were not thinking the same thing. Sisters, on the one hand, you have a marvelous God-made disposition, and I extol those virtues already in my last message. But now I'm going to say something, if you don't mind on the other side. 
sisters are, extra- generally speaking, extraordinarily sensitive. Oh my. That sister just kind of was glancing across the room and happened to catch your eye. And when your two eyes met, she just happened to not have a smile on her face. And you said, see, I know it. She has a problem with me. I think she is jealous of me. When actually that sister may not even know your name. She was not thinking about anything, maybe the moon, but not you, when she scanned the room. And she was not smiling because we don't smile all the time. But you picked that up. And listen to me, another weakness of sisters, brothers too, but I'm talking to sisters. Imagination. Not just sensitivity, but imagination. So, one little thing can become like this because of certain imagination. Or one small thing become large. And by the end of the day, your imagination had written a book (laughs) on this person or on that situation. When there's nothing to it, but you had built up this non-fiction narrative out of a totally fictional, imaginative, you know, dialogue that you had with yourself in your head. Now, I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating, but these things cause problems. Another thing, sisters, same thing with brothers, but I'm talking to sisters, is this thing called rivalry. Rivalry. Well, rivalry is in all of us. Rivalry, just somehow there's this thing that it's me against you. You know, it it just, it's you or me, you know, kind of thing. Rivalry. Uh, And so, uh, these kind of things cause the sisters unable to pray together for long, maybe one time. But after that, it's hard because of these kind of things going on in there. Well, sisters, you don't have to be this way. But what it calls for is what? The cross, the denial of yourself, the willingness to go along, to restrict self-control, your thoughts and imaginations. It requires self-control. To not let your brain or your mind run wild. 
which he can do very easily. You need to actually fight through these things by the exercise of your spirit. They'll always be there, but you have to subdue these things, these things of the flesh, these things of the self, these things of the natural life, by the exercise of your spirit. You have to exercise, sisters, your spirit so much, not to give a message, not to dominate anybody or any situation. You are have a, Peter says, meek and quiet spirit, which is a great adornment to the women. Meek and quiet spirit. Well, we have this idea, meek and quiet means you're dead. And down. No, no, it's meek and quiet. That when you contact a sister, you just sense their spirit is in a state of submission, that they have the humility of Christ as an element with them. You just know that. But their spirit, and I'm going to use a word that you don't misunderstand me, okay? So strong, sometimes it is even fierce. Now, not fierce like you look like a a tiger or something like that. But I'm saying fierce towards the enemy. I'm saying your spirit is so undeterred and so buoyant and so living that when it comes to prayer, your spirit is instantly released. Your spirit is so open. And when you pray, because you become accustomed to prayer, you have picked up the skills to pray. You know, prayer is about skills. You, you, you are such a constant praying person that... When you open your mouth in a meeting to pray, even just a few sentences, you actually uplift the whole meeting. You uplift the whole meeting by your prayer. Not even because you're louder, but your decibel is higher. Because of the what? The strength of your spirit, the power of your spirit, the life that you're in spirit is so strong. That it just dispenses life. Gives life to a meeting, to a situation. And you, I think you all know what I'm talking about. You know, sometimes someone pray. The more they pray, the more we wish they will shut up. <laughs> because their prayer does not add life. It just bore, you know, it just, it just in the mind, it's, it's almost deadening. We, we rather not have that kind of prayer. Talk about Ruth Lee. The other prayer she pray is when sometimes some brothers who should not be functioning in the meeting functions and kill the meeting, Ruth Lee would sense that and pray against that. And after she prayed, that person would not speak. Pretty powerful stuff, huh? 
Now, I don't mean you should do that like Ruth Lee. <laughs> Unless you're Ruth Lee, okay? But I'm telling you, all these things in our church life require so much behind-the-scenes exercise with, a, with our prayer. Not just when you're on your knees in your bedroom, but you're sitting in the meeting, even right now. In all kinds of circumstances, you, you have such a pr- strong praying spirit. To have a group of sisters in the local church sustain a weekly prayer for years. Okay, not just a couple of weeks, for years. I tell you, to that, that itself is a testimony. I, I really hope so. I really hope so. Dear sisters, I don't know what to do, what to tell you to do, but if you have that burden, you just pray. Okay, and then I mention with a partner, the Lord would give you a two or three, smaller than the group may be. It depends on the size of your locality or your church. Would have this kind of habit when you call, when you talk about some things, even ordinary things of life. You both are spiritual, so you always would pray. Let's say we're talking about our kids, which is, that those things happen. That's normal to talk about our children, about this or that, right? This, this part of life. But even when you talk about those legitimate, normal life things, you would not just talk and then that's it. You always would have the habit to commit this to the Lord by prayer. You don't just talk about, well, the school, the the this or that. You may exchange notes, talk, this, but at the end, you would right away pray because you are a praying person. So everything is done with prayer. If you can just start this, this will be a great thing to affect our church life. Now, with the remaining time, very short time, I don't go through these outlines, this outline. I'll just say very, very simply and briefly, prayer is towards the Lord, towards God. Your first function. The second primary function of sisters in the church is to use the outlined subject this morning. To be mothers. To be mothers. We know that in human civilization, in human society, uh, the nuclear family is key, right? And in a nuclear family, there's nothing more important 
than motherhood. I do not use the word even parenting, which is important, no doubt. But that's for another time. I am talking about motherhood. That is the work of a mother. The function of a mother in many, many respects. Okay. In the Bible, this matter of motherhood is a great thing. All proper children are raised up in society by mothers. Fathers, they have their role. They're important, uh, for sure. But the mothers are more important. So just two things here in this outline as a proof of that. Firstly, you have Paul in Romans 16. He said, uh, what? He said, uh, greet Rufus, somebody, chosen in the Lord and his mother as well as mine. Do you know the Apostle Paul had a mom? He shared with Rufus. We don't even have a name for this mom. His mother and mine. That's her name. The Apostle had a mother in the church. Do you know leading brothers need mothers? Do you know I need a mother? I need a mom. Paul said, and mine, I got a mother. Greet her, please. That shows that in the church life, there should be mothers, not the biological type, the physical type, but the spiritual kind. The other story or basis for this is in this wonderful story of the cross. There are many stories related to the cross that took place at the cross, at the foot of the cross of the Lord Jesus. And this is in John chapter 19. So, The Lord was hung there on the cross, and there were some disciples within earshot because the Lord talked to them, conversed with them from the cross. And there were women there, and there were some men there, mostly his disciples. And there, his mother, his biological mother Mary was there, and his cousin, am I right? John. Was there, disciple. And of all the things you would say on the cross, I mean, if you hang on the cross, I don't know what you'll be saying. I won't be saying anything because I'm dying, you know. But the Lord took time on that cross to say something to his 
mother in the flesh, and to John, and say, John, behold your mother. And mother, uh, Mary, behold your son. It's a beautiful interpretation by Brother Lee of this story, that so what, you know, kind of story. Here is a great principle of what we call a transfer of life, where someone who is not your relations, especially in this case, not your child, not your offspring, becomes your offspring. And someone who was not your mother become your mother all at the cross. That means through the death of the Lord. That anticipates a resurrection, a new life in Christ. There is the possibility of such transfer that someone who has no physical relationship, I mean, uh, 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 biological relationship with you, would become so close of a mother and a son, or a mother and a daughter, whatever the case may be. A relationship that is could even be stronger and deeper than just a biological one. Now, those of us who have this kind of experience, either on the end of a son or the side of a mother, knows what I'm talking about. I have two daughters. They're biologically ours. And they're very dear, you know, very, very intimate. Of course, they're, they're our, our children, physical children. But I can tell you over the years... You know, and I'm the, not the only one. Many of us have this experience, or should have this experience. We have so many, so many more other children. And I can tell you, they are really our children. You know, with children, you would say, well, the moment they're 18, they're out. I've done my job. You're more than wrong. They never cease cease to be your children. You know, today my, my father is 94. I'm still his son. And he still treats me like his son. <laughs> and I'm no young kid. But when I come into his presence, I'm still a son. And I know it. And he is still taking care of me. You see... Menorah mean, House, your cash flow. <laughs> that means how you're living, you know. Uh, how you're living. Uh, uh, I'm worried. Uh, uh, do, do you see? Once you are a dad or mom, you never stop being one. The spiritual relationship in Christ, in the new life, the divine life, is deeper than even the biological relationship. So this is what we're talking about. Through death and resurrection, which we all experience in our salvation and regeneration, we're all in a new family called the Church of God. And in this family, 
it is possible and it is right for us to have spiritual relationship like this. That is mother and son. Now, what do we need, therefore, in our church life, in this church family that we're all in? I tell you, we need a lot of mothers. Well, then you say, how about the brothers? What's their job? Well, their job is fathers. And Paul was a father, and, you know, so there's a... But, but I'm not talking about them. This morning, I'm talking to you, sisters. We need mothers. That's what we need in the church. A lot of mothers. Mothers of who? Mothers of elders. Mothers of apostles. Paul. Mothers of working saints. Mothers of even middle-aged brothers and sisters. They need moms. Mothers of college-age Saints, mothers of high schoolers, mother of junior hires, even mothers of our children. We need just a lot of mothers, a lot of mothers in the church life. And the, 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 I love the adjective that Brother Lee gave. He said, the loving mothers. The loving mothers in the church. And he said that to have the practical church life to the uttermost today, there should be, of course, sisters, no doubt. That's another role. But we need a lot of mothers. Now, there is no greater satisfaction and gratification in Christ than to raise up a spiritual child. And I would even say, may even your biological children become your spiritual children. Don't leave them just your biological kids. Make them your spiritual children as well in the new creation. That's right. That's how it should be. Today we we have many such children scattered throughout the earth. We still think of them like children, whether they think about it that way or not. What a joy. What a crown. Paul says, you are my crown. What a glory, Paul said. Now the other side is this. You know, motherhood is the most difficult job in the universe. The most difficult job. Oh, may I say this also? Some of you say, I'm not yet married. Not married yet. Okay? I tell you, this kind of spiritual motherhood is not, does not depend on your, you're married or not married. 
actually many unmarried, humanly, unmarried sisters, or even younger sisters at that, you can be a mother. You should be a mother. And I challenge you to have a mother's heart for the saints. Of course, because of your age, because of your lack of experience in certain things, you cannot be a mother to everyone, like older ones, right? You are still a child to them. But you can be a mother to a lot more that are younger than you, in the Lord and in age. Wow, when the church is full of mothers that care for all the saints, I tell you, that church will prosper. That church will thrive. That church will grow. In a way, our problem is not gaining the increase, you know, reaching out again. Our challenge is to retain this increase as lasting fruit. And this calls for motherhood and the motherly care by so many of us. So, sisters, that's all I have to say. Uh, We really are in a church family. This is a family. And in this, we need the sisters to give the motherly care spiritually and even humanly. Okay? Looks like I'm putting burdens on you, one after another. You know why? You know why? Because that's your privilege. That's your right. That's your portion. That I don't have. The brothers don't have, but you have. I come back to this. Okay, so uh, again, this is not some assignment, but the Lord would touch you, the Lord would speak to you, you would begin to be burdened for others in the church. Look and see who needs a mom. I promise you, a lot of saints. Who the Lord would burden you with, who the Lord would sovereignly Put in your situation. You care for them. Sometimes even someone your peer, your age. But in spiritual terms, you need to be a mother to them and care for them. Do you follow me? We see so much... Even look at Brother Nee, 
with M.E. Barber. So, really in the Lord, there is positionally male and female brothers and sisters. Right? But again, coming back to the divine realm, spiritual realm. Sisters, you can help brothers. You can help brothers. Of course, in the right way, in the proper way, all of this. Uh, And many brothers receive a lot of help from her. The main thing is the heart, a mother's heart. And and a mother's milk, meaning the, a, mother's, a supply that come, can only come from a mother to your children, of spiritual nourishment. And a mother's what? Love, right? Care. In love. That is so warming and so cherishing, like none other. And a mother's protection. Dear saints, today the need in the churches as we anticipate the increase from the Lord, we call it shepherding. This is the need. But this morning we don't use the word shepherding. We use the word mothering or the need for mothers. All right. So I leave you all, dear saints, with those two things. And I think I'd better stop here.